Thanks to the wonders of global travel, it was just two days ago that I stood on the shores of the island of Lesvos, Greece, looking at Turkey, a mere four miles across the water. It was this spot in all of the European Union that made possible a three-hour harrowing boat ride, a desperate escape from the horrors of the wars in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and so many other places in the region. Together with a small group of local Bay Area rabbis, Muslim leaders, and leaders of a remarkable Israeli humanitarian organization called Israaid, I stood looking out at those calm waters where Israaid brings Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs all around the world to assist during disasters, when thousands of rafts were coming across Israel was right there. So many drowned trying to make that journey. But the lucky ones are there right now. How great is it to see Israeli Arabs and Israeli Jews working together to save other lives? I asked Maisam a young Arab psychologist who grew up in Haifa, why she joined an Israeli organization of all things. And she said that she feels such an affinity with the Syrian people and that Israel, Israel enabled her to do something. Our first day of the trip, we flew to Thessaloniki, also known as Salonika, which once housed a large, vibrant Jewish community, much like our community today in the Bay Area. We happened to arrive on Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day. What a confluence to spend the morning learning about 50,000 Jews who were shipped from Thessaloniki to Auschwitz, and then to spend the afternoon in an urban refugee apartment complex with Syrians and Kurds who fled unspeakable horrors very recently. At the Jewish Museum in Thessaloniki, there are pictures documenting one day in July 1942 when Nazis forced 9,000 Jewish men into a public square to be humiliated as everyday Greek and German citizens looked on, many from their apartment windows or from the street. When it was over, no one protested that injustice. No professional organization, no academic organization, no religious organization. As we hear about the horrors currently being visited upon Syrian people by their own government and by ISIS, I think that we Jews have a particular sensitivity 
about speaking up and calling out evil for what it is. Listening to the eyewitness testimony of Yazidi sect survivors of ISIS brutality, hearing stories that I cannot even repeat to another person. One of the Israel leaders explained to the men who miraculously sat before us that it was important to hear their stories so that we can go and share them with others in America because not that many people know about the Yazidi genocide. But the truth is that in August 2014, our newspapers and media outlets covered the story of tens of thousands of Yazidi men, women, and children in the Sinjar province of Iraq who were targeted by ISIS. Up to 5,000 were executed. About 50,000 escaped to Mount Sinjar and spent five days without food or water. If you Google it, these stories were widely covered as they unfolded. I read those stories and now have seen with my eyes a few of the men and one adorable eight-year-old boy who escaped. And that means that he was five years old when he spent five days with no food and no water on that mountain before making that escape to Greece. Israel is helping them to remake their lives. We visited a surprisingly clean and comfortable apartment building that houses a community of 70 Iraqi, Kurdish, and Syrian families, including numerous extremely adorable children. Israel works with the apartment managers to provide social, psychosocial social, social, and other forms of support for each family. I spent my time there visiting with 13-year-old Avin. She is smart with a ready smile. She asked if I wanted to visit her apartment, and so I and others sat on cushions on the floor in a small, comfortable, one-bedroom apartment where she and her family now reside. Everyone in that complex prepared an incredible feast for all of us. They made delicious food that they cooked themselves, and they seemed immensely proud to serve us this abundant meal. We kept telling the many Muslims that we met that we were Jews and Muslims together with an Israel humanitarian organization. This is so important because the Syrian government teaches all Syrians that all Jews are the enemy. The CEO of Israel, a young charismatic Israeli named Yotam Pulitzer, who I hope will come and speak to all of us uh, in this coming year, told many stories, including a moment when he treated a Syrian refugee girl for shock. The father stood to the side watching Israeli Jews and Arabs save his beautiful daughter's life. He said to Yotam, my worst enemy has become my best supporter, and my own friends have become our enemies. So I'll just admit to you that I am terribly jet-lagged at this moment, and my experiences and thought, I came home yesterday, and my experiences and thoughts are a jumble. 
And if you have your own ideas about what we could and should be doing, I want to hear them from you. But here are just a couple of my takeaways. We as a Jewish people who cannot remain silent are fortunate for the existence of organizations like Israel. Due to the high cost of life here in the Bay Area and bans on resettling even the most innocent and terrorized Syrian refugees, we are unable to actively resettle people here right now. At the start of the crisis, a couple of our own Emmanuel members went to Lesvos and helped with the rescues, but most of us cannot do that. The solution to the crisis in Syria itself and in other parts of the globe where terror and violence reign seems elusive at this moment. So thank God an Israeli organization representing all of us goes to Greece and to 16 other countries to help wherever help is needed in time of crisis. Our local Jewish community should all know about and support Israel's work. Congregation Emmanuel enabled me to go to Greece, not paying for it because Israel got a grant for that, but just by having rabbis, you enable us. Rabbi Bauer uh, took this trip to Germany last year, and you enable us, your rabbis, to be part of this work, and I am thankful to you for that opportunity. I'm going to admit to you that every single day I enter the lottery to try and win those $10 tickets to Hamilton, the musical. And sporadically, I hope he doesn't mind that I mention it, my husband buys a real lottery ticket at the grocery store. But the truth is this, every one of us in this room has already won the lottery just by the sheer good fortune of being here and being a free people. If you had met the people that I met and sat with this past week, you would know without hesitation, we won the lottery. And so the question is, having won, what we do with our good fortune what would we wish others had done for us during World War II? The sad truth is, individually, we're not going to stop the carnage right now. And we're not going to move refugees into our homes. But it is our religious obligation to pay attention, to hear those stories, to find them as they're reported in our media when they are, and to speak out against them. We can call out despotic behavior, and we can continue to find ways to be a force for good in this world. That's what lottery winners like us can do. Lu yehi, so may it be. Shabbat shalom. We turn now to the Aleinu prayer. The word means it's up to us. And that prayer is on page 282. We all stand together. 